are you? If you're not, you can be. How's that back? Brother was telling me last Thursday night after church how uh, the previous week uh, as we prayed just over the audience in general, different people stood up for various needs in their lives and uh, God healed his back. Amen. And, uh, another man drove by the office about a week after that happened and said for six weeks he'd been in excruciating pain and uh, could hardly get out of bed and God healed him here's a lady that God's healed her wrist I stand before you and God healed my shoulder how many of you in here have been healed by God could I see your hand that's why I said to the rest of you if you're not free you can be. And I'm not talking about just physical pain and deliverance from addictions and things of that nature, although it includes that. I'm talking about free from the guilt of the past. I'm talking about free from the law of sin and death. You So when people ask you, are you saved? And you say yes. In fact, Skeeter's Brother, uh, Father, Brother Paul taught me this. He said, Dennis, are you saved? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, what are you saved from? I said, hell. And he said, well, indirectly. But what you're really, when you're saved, you're saved from the law of sin and death. See, we were conceived in sin we were born in sin we've, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God there's none of us righteous in and of ourselves. we can't be good enough we can't do enough good works we can't give enough money we can't sing enough songs we can't preach enough sermons we're free one way and that's by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that when we come and we open our heart and bend our knee and we receive the gift that he's given us we're freed. We've got a lot of people in this place that have been incarcerated. Some at times it was just overnight. Some of you have been in prison for years. Some of you are still in jail. But I talked to Brother Russell O'Givey. There he is. We all went over to Bowdoor Cheat, Brother Warden, Big John's prison where he's the warrior, a uh, lawyer. And I, what are you? You're, you're the warden. Boy, that's a tongue twister. <clears throat> but he's the warden over there. And after the service, we were standing there talking to some of the inmates. And true story. Correct me if I'm wrong, Russell. You were standing right there. There was one of those inmates said, I never knew freedom until I got locked up. You see, you can be incarcerated and still be free from the law of sin and death. You can be free from the guilt of the past. And you can be free from the fear of the future of tomorrow. 
I woke up this morning, as Skeeter mentioned, and seldom do this. I'm not a singer. Some would say I'm not much of a preacher. But I woke up and maybe 15 feet from my bed to the door, to the hallway, and before I got to the door, Glenda was snoring. <laughs> and she was on key, I might add. And I thought of that song that Skeeter sang. And out of that song, God refreshed my memory of the story that I want to talk about and then read about. I'm going to be in Psalms 51. If you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and turn there and I'll set the stage. Psalms 51, page 829 in my Bible. I'm back in my old one tonight. The old King James. But to set the stage, you remember the story of how King David, by the way, a man referred to as a man after God's own heart, couldn't sleep one night. He's up, he's walking, he's looking out the window and he sees a beautiful woman named Bathsheba taking a bath. I had this conversation, Duke and I, with Robin this afternoon. She knew what she was doing. <laughs> She said, oh, there you go again, trying to blame the woman. But anyway, he looked on her, and he wanted her. And he finagled around there being king and committed adultery with her. Got her pregnant. Her husband's in the army. Uriah, God, I mean, David calls him in and to try to shame, change and hide his sin. He brings him in from fighting and tells him to go basically go home and see your wife and take a good hot shower and jacuzzi or whatever. And Uriah was so faithful to his men who were still on the battlefront fighting. He wouldn't do that. And he slept on the steps of the palace. David sends him back into battle and puts him in the fiercest of the battles and said, be sure to put him in a place to where he won't come home. Except in a body bag. And he had him killed. Now we're going to pick up in chapter 51 of Psalms. The prophet Nathan had come to David and had confronted him with his sins. Called him out, so to speak, as the young people would say nowadays. And having done so, I'll start reading in verse 1. <clears throat> David writes, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness." According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, you might want to underline that, for I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. He couldn't get away from it. Day and night, no matter where he went, what he did, what he attempted to do, he couldn't escape 
the memory and the guilt of what he had done and that weight, that ball and chain was constant. By the Spirit of the Lord, He's revealed to me that some of you are in this house tonight that you're dragging a ball and chain. Maybe not that ball and chain, possibly. But some of you are dragging a ball and chain and you're carrying a weight and you're living in guilt. You have positioned yourself to allow the devil to be really good at what he does. You see, he's referred to as the tormentor. One of the ways he's described. He's the tormentor. And don't raise your hand, but how many of you have discovered that he's really good at what he does? He'll come and he'll torment you. Constantly bombard you and pound you and beat you and try to place that guilt trip on you and is so successful at it. Put that condemnation on you. That condescending thought. That condescending voice, language. To browbeat you. To make you draw back. To get you into a place that you begin to become so focused on your sin. That so often times that you forget that you've been forgiven of that sin. And you walk with that bondage. You become enslaved to that and you lose focus inside of the fact that that was the old man. That was the old creature. That's, that wasn't even you anymore. You're a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I've shared how for 15, the first 15 years that I was preaching that, that there were things out of my past that tormented me, haunt, haunted me. I've shared that with you. So I'm preaching this message tonight from experience. I know. I was putting forth my best foot, my best effort to serve God and was living as righteous of a life as I could, but yet that memory, that thought, that sin of yesteryear was ever present. And I shared how one day I was driving down the road and boy, my pickup truck's a holy place. That's holy ground. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and says, you think you're better than me, huh? Just like that. I said, no, Lord, I don't think I'm better than you. Yeah, you do. I said, no, I don't. He said, yes, you do. He said, you're still holding things against yourself and passing judgment upon yourself for things that I forgave you for 15 years ago. And some of you tonight, you are allowing the devil to do that to you. But like the song that was sung a few moments ago, you don't have to live that way. You can be free from the guilt of the past. You can be free from the fear of tomorrow. Let's read on. Verse 3, I've acknowledged my transgression, my sin is ever before me. Verse 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned 
and done this evil thing in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaken in, shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thou thy face from my sins and blot out mine, all mine iniquities. Everyone's familiar with verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Rejoice unto me, or restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And behold... Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. There's that murder. O God, thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud in thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall Show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. We've acknowledged our sin. We get down there to verse 10. We all want to have it created in us that clean heart and that renew that right spirit within us. To once again experience the joy of our salvation. But it starts with the acknowledgement up there in verse 3. Confessing your sins. So that you can be forgiven. You can be free. I'm basically just going to read this tonight because it speaks for itself. But is your heart creating me a clean spirit, O God? Renew a right spirit in me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Because if that's your heart, that's your passion. Repentance brings those things. Now watch this. David goes from lamenting and repenting and crying out. To then making a commitment to God. Saying if you'll just deliver me from this blood guiltiness. I will become a representative of you. And your goodness and your faithfulness and your love. And your forgiveness and your power and your strength. And sinners will be converted. Here's what I want you to understand for sure. You, every one of you. 
are extremely relevant to the kingdom of God, to the body of Christ, regardless of what your past is, regardless of what your presence is. But the devil would love for you to feel insignificant. He would love for you to feel like you're of no value, that you don't bring anything to the table. Let me tell you the one thing you need to bring to the table. That's a personal story of how you once were, but now am. See, that's my favorite story in the Bible where the man that was born blind, Jesus healed him. They call him in, going to use his testimony against Jesus because he'd been healed on the Sabbath. And so that was against the law. And they asked him, they said, by what authority and what power do you see? This old boy had a great revelation. He said, I don't know. But this one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I see. It's not important what you've been told. It's not important what other people say. What's important is for you to have your own personal story, your own personal testimony, your own personal confrontation with Jesus Christ, your own experience and revelation of who he is in your life so that you can share with others, I once was, but now am. I'll share one and certainly take no boasting in the past. I don't even really like to talk about the past. Do you know that? So many people want to get up and glorify the past when they share their testimony. I'd rather talk about what Jesus has done. One night, I was walking out of the office to, to come out here at the start of church. And somebody was walking in the front doors that I knew well that I had not seen in many years. I called him by name and I said, What in the world are you doing here? He said, Man... I was in a restaurant over there off Uri Drive the other day eating lunch. And I heard two old women sitting in the booth next to me. And they said, have you been out there at that cowboy church in Greenwood? No, I hadn't, but I've been hearing about it. And, oh, I went and it was just wonderful. And he says, well, who's pastor's out there? And he was listening. And she said, I, I think his name is Dennis Aaron. And he said to himself, Dennis Aaron? Last time I saw him, he broke a beer bottle over so-and-so's nose at the Pizza Hut on Juella. <laughs> but that was the old me, y'all. What I'm here to tell you, those people need to hear your story. If we ever advertise on the radio, and we don't, but at some point we may, if God leads. This is the way I can see our advertisement going. We'll be on a secular channel. Not a Christian channel. And we're going to take... Stand up. We're going to take just a few good... Yeah, you. <laughs> we're going to take just a few good old boys. And we're going to stick a microphone in their face at the radio station. And he's going to say, 
for about 30 seconds. Hey, my name is... Tell them. Dave Duvall. My name is Dave Duvall. Let me tell you, I once used to drink a bunch of beer, act stupid, goofy. I don't know what you did. I'm making this stuff up, but... Uh, <laughs> he did. Uh, I, I used to beat my wife. I know. <laughs> but just... But, but what? Then he'll be through in 20, 30 seconds. Okay? Somebody out there in radio land going to go, Dave, man, I used to do stupid stuff with that guy. I'm going to go out there and hear what else got to say. See, that's the way it works. Well, you'll have a story. You'll be able to tell people what God has done in your life. <laughs> Some of you are sitting there saying, you better not ever stick a microphone in my face. I can tell you that. I was thinking where the sun don't shine. I mean, uh... <laughs> it's this simple. God put that song on my heart this morning. He gave me this passage of scripture because some of you are, that sin is ever before you. You are t beat down with it. Would you bow your head? You're here in this house tonight and you just say, you know what, Dennis... Like King David, Nathan the prophet had confronted him. And as a result, he could have done one, two things. He could have denied, denied and walked on the way he was or he could have repented. In this case, praise the Lord, he repented. He was restored. Good things happened. Tonight I have delivered to you a simple word that God gave me this morning that you're carrying this stuff and you don't have to. You can be free from it. You have a, the opportunity and you have a choice. You can continue right on like you are. Or you can be free tonight. It's up to you. If you'd say, Dennis, that's me. And I want to give it to the Lord and ask him to help me be free from that. Could I see your hand? Anyone across this place? Get it up. Come on. You ain't the only one. There's a lot of hands going up. rest of you, get it up. Thank you. Put it down. Now whether you're a Christian or not, I'm about to pray for you and ask God to deliver you from that. But as I pray, I want you to ask the Lord. Will you do that? Lord, I thank you that your word clearly tells us that you've come to set at liberty those that are bound. And there's so many people dragging that ball and chain tonight, Lord, that you don't want them to. You want them to be free. And as we come to you tonight, we pray that you unlock that lock and that weight fall off. We simply ask you to do what we cannot do. Set them free from the guilt of the past. We'll be sure to praise you. Now, if you're in this place today, whether you raised your hand for that or not, and but especially if you did, and you'd say, but Dennis, I'm not a Christian. But I want to be free from the law of sin and death. I want to be saved tonight. I want to confess my sin before God, and I want to be saved and become a child of God. Could I see your hand? Just slip it up. Anyone, anywhere? Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Anybody else? Get it up. It's your moment, your time, in the balcony, anyone, anywhere. Backslider. Need to make a new commitment. 
You're not living the way you should. Get your hand up. Raising your hand doesn't do the deal. It just lets me know that you're serious about needing change. Is anybody else that will join these three that's already raised their hand? Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Very quickly. Thank you, ma'am. Sweet Jesus. Anyone else? Very quickly before I move on. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Voice of the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart. Don't fight him. Don't run. Just open up. Anyone else? We're up to about ten. Thank you, young lady. Anyone else? All right, look up. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Look up here at me. It really is just this simple. Because you see, Jesus has done everything that needed to be done for your salvation. That's why he can give you the gift of eternal life. When he hung on that cross and cried, it's finished. Nothing else needed to be added to it. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of works lest any man should boast. So here's what I want you to understand. that This Bible says that if we believe that Jesus is God's son, he came to earth, was tempted and tried in every way that you and I are, yet he remained without sin. He was sinless, lived a perfect life, making his pure and pristine blood worthy of the sacrifice for the atonement of the sins of mankind. And as he shed that blood, he said, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be washed white as snow. And what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So he was crucified, buried. On the third day, he rose again. And he's alive today, desirous to forgive your sins. He said, if you'll call unto me, I'll do great things in your life. So bow your head with that knowledge. If you believe that in your heart, my prayers can't save you. But if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Your sins are about to be cleansed. And you're about to become a child of God. Right now, in the next 30 seconds, let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I do believe that you're God's son. That loved me enough to die in my place that I might live. I also believe that you didn't stay dead. You walked out of a grave with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and to be my Savior. In Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. And let me just say this. For those of you that just repented and received the Lord as your Savior, you need to follow up with baptism. We just had baptism a week or two ago. We'll be having it again sometime in the future that we'll be announcing it. But whether you get baptized here or somewhere else, it's fine. You just need to be baptized. But we'd love the honor to baptize you here if you'd like to do that. Uh, 
I'll go ahead and make one announcement. The 4th of July is on Thursday night, or Thursday this year. And I'll be honest with you, I've struggled and prayed and sought the Lord as to do we have church, do we not have church on Thursday and whatever. And I just believe the Lord would have me to cancel church that night because I want you to spend time with your family. Family is extremely important. And I want you to invest yourself in the families. And pray for them before you get there on that holiday. Ask God to strategically let conversation go with someone that you can be that witness that we talked about a minute ago to tell them how you once were but now am. Because look, I want you to understand something. And I'm not going to preach another sermon. This is serious business. We don't need to play church. We need to have a passion for the lost. So I want to charge you to do that. We'll be closed the following day. So we'll be off Thursday and Friday. Robin's going, yeah, he looks like a seal. <laughs> but anyway, if you'll go ahead and make the rest of them the thing.